Welcome to the Love Life Church podcast, and thank you for checking us out. We love God, love people, and love life, and we hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. How many thank yous are happening this month, this week, this day in your life? And I believe if it's very few and far between, that's what this message is about. Because I believe the lacking of supernatural, the lacking of miracle, the lacking of benefits, the lacking of provision, the lacking of all this stuff that God says in his word belongs to us is because we're not believing his word. We might hear his word, but scripture makes it very clear. There's a difference of hearing and doing. And that means there is a difference of believing you can have a belief, but not believe the belief. In other words, you don't act upon it. Are you guys hearing what I'm saying? So what happens is, is if we're going to be thankful, which by the way, is probably one of the greatest testimonies of a living God. It's also testimony of who you serve because you're not saying it's about me and I did it. You're saying it's about him and he did it. So it lifts him up consistently. But if we're not going through the process of thank yous, that means we're doing it all ourselves. Or we're not acknowledging him. And I think that's, that's a miss. Because anytime you start taking gratitude for something he has done, he don't do it anymore. It stops. The, the, the ability to enter into the supernatural, the door is closed. And you might think, why, was, why would it happen? Because everything God does is tied to your will and your belief. He's not going to override that ever. He says, I want every person on this earth to be saved. Does everybody get saved? No. How come? Because our will stops it, hinders it. So he's saying to me that that position of being thankful is the receiving end on my part of why I'm thankful. Oh yeah, I'm thankful that I'm born again. I'm thankful that I have eternal life. Of course I am. But if that's what it's all about, we only need one gospel page in here. We don't need three and a half years. Of what? Of him making the claim that I've come to set you free. I've come to deliver you from the darkness, the evil one. I've come to deliver you from all his effects, kill, steal, and destroy. I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. That's what he came for, but we tie it into religiously in a little package of, I'm going to heaven. And that's it. That's what we think our thankfulness should be focused in on. And I'm not saying that we're not thankful for that. I'm saying we got to get connected to the Bible because we're missing a ton of stuff by our religious insight. Not truth, how we perceive something. Because I want to be able to get up and just all day long because of his goodness and things that are happening in my life going, that's because of you. I'm so thankful. Oh God, you're so good. I'm so thankful. Look what happened. I'm so thankful. Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm not feeling sick. I'm not feeling, oh, I'm so thankful. All I'm doing is talking about how good Jesus is. Are you hearing me? And see, these are things that we have to look at and start recognizing just with common sense. I mean, common sense says we don't need three and a half years for Jesus to do what he did. If it's just about being saved, going to heaven, you don't need it. But what was his purpose? What was the reason? He said, I've got to show you the Father. I've got to show you the Father. I've got to show you the Father. Why is that so important? Because everything from Genesis to Revelation is tied to the understanding of the Father. God, in that position of Trinity, Jesus, Holy Spirit leads to the Father, God, which is very interesting as far as what he wants us to look at. What did Jesus do? Looked at the Father, speaks to the Father, seated at the right hand of the Father. That picture is an amazing picture. We know the Holy Spirit's God. We know Jesus is God. But the way that this operates, 
the trinity of the Godhead is so amazing, but also it's so perfect in how we look at that picture. And if you don't do it right, you're going to miss the direction that he aligned us to. You'll try to get to God without Jesus. You'll try to get to Jesus without the God. You'll try to get to Jesus the Father without the Holy Spirit. And you'll try to do things all on your own rather than submitting to all that they did, their work, amen? And it's wonderful to know this because, see, ultimately what I'm talking about is life. I'm not talking about a religious concept. I'm not talking about duty. I'm talking about life. And when you look at this, you start realizing that everything we do is based upon words, information, words, understanding, words, perceptions, words, everything. Everything in our life is tied to words. And when we look at the supernatural, when we look at what God is showing us in his word, it's completely tied to the word. The ability to trust him, the ability to rely on him, the, the first group of Israel, generation, that could not enter in, Hebrews chapter three and four makes it very clear, they could not enter into his rest. And when you study that whole teaching out, it's ability to recognize that all the work is finished, you believe and trust in that. You don't force it, you don't make it happen, you rest in that. You trust that work. And when you do that, then you have the ability to operate in faith. Because faith isn't trying to make it happen. Faith is believing it for it to happen. Amen? And so I, last week we talked about, first of all, we are born again. We are part of the family of God. So in family units, everybody in here, you have your parents or your family tree's DNA. Everybody in here, you can't change that. It, it can't, you can't go to the hospital and go, I want a new DNA, a new family. You can get a new name, but it don't matter. You're part of that family forever. It's there. It doesn't stop. Do you understand that? Okay, so we learn that we're a part of God's family because we're born again. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. This is God's word. Translation is pretty cool. Whoever is a believer in Christ is a new creation. The old way of living has disappeared. A new way of living has come into existence. Now, I can tell you right now, that statement doesn't line up with most of our lives. Now think about that. That statement doesn't line up with most of our lives and how we live. But this statement is true. So if this statement is true, why isn't it lining up with our lives? Words. What do you believe? Words. When we can look at this and say, when I start believing that my old way of living is no longer here, and I have a new way of living that is in existence now, that in itself tells me that I must learn, okay, because I'm, I'm, I'm not a dummy, I recognize that on this earth, I was born on this earth, and I had to learn. No one on this planet can disregard that truth. Everybody must learn. You know, I want to change jobs. I heard computer science uh, make a lot of money, so I'm going to go get a job there. No, you got to go to school first. A long time. Because you're a garbage person. You have to learn a different trade. Learn. You have to study. That's how life is, correct? Doesn't matter what you want to be. You could be a landscaper and say, you don't want to be a heart surgeon. They make like 200 grand a year. Maybe do make six or eight of them a year. That's a good job compared to a... a someone that's mowing lawns and cutting trees for 10, 12 hours each day, six days a week to make 300 bucks than a heart surgeon? Think about it. Well, let's all become heart surgeons. 
It, see what I'm saying? In other words, there's this understanding that you have to grasp and get hold of this knowledge, this information that takes a process of time. It's amazing how people go to church all over this world. Some of you before you even came here and all you did is went to church and you've got these, these ideas and understandings that aren't tied to scripture, but you, you abide by them because they are connected to your soul. And in that soul level, not your spirit, your soul level, you are driving your life. But this is something we applause to, we're excited about, because everything tied to that soulish area can change, because it's tied to belief, completely to belief. So all we have to do is renew the mind, the soul, in how we think. That's how we enter into the new existence, the new creation. The, the difficulty of Christians is this, or Christianity, is, is we have so many issues and so many problems in our life as Christians. And so we define God, define this Christianity by those issues. Not by our choices. We don't want to do that. It's by issues. Why thought the Bible said this? How come it's not happening? I, I thought it said this. How come it doesn't work? And that's what we live by. And so we make these decisions, these understandings in our life that are totally off of what scripture teaches just because our old ways we're still connected to. So we have to be free from that. How do we do it? Believe this. Okay, I just told you that. Believe that. Okay, I believe now what? I just told you. Now learn the new way. Learn the new way. It don't, don't, Concern yourself about where, you know, Brother Tim or Sister Mary is at in their walk. Who cares? This is about you. Remember, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, it's not about the size of faith. It's about faith being used. If you look at a mustard seed, and it's a tiny, tiny, tiny seed in Israel, in the Middle East. And he said, that's all you need to be able to move a mountain. Think about that. Because we look at big, large faith, and we define it by usually just what people, you know, try to pretend or act like, rather than just belief. That childlike faith, tiny, small faith that says, I believe, I just believe. And Jesus himself would ask people, can you believe? He didn't say, can you operate in supernatural power? Though that's what he was meaning. He said, can you believe? Can you believe? All things, everybody say all things. Say all things out there in the world I'm waiting for you. Say it. There you go. No, I'm talking to them. You guys, you, where is this faith? I don't see them. Sometimes we forget. We got people all over the world watch this stuff, right? Everywhere. And people's lives are being impacted everywhere. It's amazing what's happening, what's happened this whole year. Um, and it's something that, you know, as a church as a gathering of believers, you know, the tendency is, is we're faithful and committed and we come here and we're part of this. But we don't realize the impact we're making. But it's something we need to. And uh, On our New Year's service, when, I, when we do that, I'm gonna show you the impact we've made this year. And you can look at the pandemic and go, oh my gosh, but I'm gonna tell you what, you're gonna look at the pandemic in the spiritual side in the side of, of doing God's work, and you're gonna go, oh yeah, we hit a home run. We had a home run through this pandemic. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool, amen. All right, three, four, five, and then we get a little more people clapping. Okay, that's a, that is a golf game for sure. First Peter 1.23 says this, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. Having been born, this is so powerful. This scripture is so powerful because it 
it defines old nature, new nature very clearly. And what happens is, is we see again, without understanding of the nature area, and we focus on the fruit area, the fruit area is the majority of churches on this planet and religion combined. The nature area is the understanding of scripture because the nature area is what produces. So in the understanding of nature, you look at people differently because when they are sinning or being stupid, you recognize it's their nature. When you see a Christian doing it, you recognize it's not their nature. It's an act of choice, will. If it's, it's it, it, what I mean by this is this. An apple tree can't get up in the morning and go, I'm done with apples. I'm doing oranges from now on. It can't do that. Why? Because it's nature will continue to produce. And nothing it can do. So it's not about a sin. It's just the nature. We are all born in corruptible seed on this planet. But when we receive Jesus, we receive his seed. In 1 John 3, 9 says, his seed enters us and we cannot sin. I, I didn't say that. He said that. You can't sin. Now I know, see, this is what most people Christians do as they freak out in hearing that, but wait a minute, you shouldn't be unless you have wrong teaching that preceded that statement. Been there, done that. I understand that because I remember reading that and freaking out to where I wouldn't read 1 John ever again. Oh, there's so many different areas in the Bible I wouldn't go to because every time I read it, it'd scare me or freak me out or I'm, go, I'm not saved no more or I'm going to hell and I just like, all right, I'm done with those. You know, yeah, my Bible of what I read became real small. But that's what I would do because people didn't know. It was church, you know, and people play church. And it's not like they're waking up and going, I want to be fake. It's just religion. And you can, religious people carry this, this, this spirituality to them, but you challenge them in the word, they all of a sudden fold. Why? Because they're believing something that isn't tied to scripture. And it bothers them, but they don't want to know that they're wrong. Why? Because that's what religious, listen, religious tied to Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes. I want you to understand something. Success says, tell me what I'm doing wrong so I can change. Religion says, don't tell me what I'm doing wrong because I know what I'm doing. It's, it's the same way. I've been doing this a long time. I've seen them. I've seen them all the time, all over the years, because I was one of them once. And I know what you do. But if you want to be free, love correction. That's how I got over it, love correction, because the moment you try to stand up for your right to be right, you've already lost the battle. It's like what Jesus said. You want to be the greatest? This is another one the spiritual Christians hate. You want to be the greatest? Serve. Start washing people's feet. No, don't do that. That's disgusting. Clean a toilet, pick up trash. Religious people hate that because they're focused in on titles. They're focused in on people looking at them. So they think if I'm doing the normal people stuff, I'm not super spiritual anymore. All I'm saying is, is the religious concepts are the ones that rob people of freedom. Freedom. I'm telling you. Do we not all want to become more like Jesus? I do. I got so much I need to change to be more like him. So much. I mean, he walk around hanging around anybody. I'm not. I mean, I'm just being real. I mean, I, th he's awesome. He's Jesus, and, and he's just hanging around people all the time. And I look at that, and I'm like going, oh, I don't want to see that one. And then there's other areas where you're like going, oh, I don't want to hear that. Your pastor does that. I'm just being truthful. 
But I know that's just a statement of immaturity. That's all. I'm not there yet. And I might not never get there yet. But it's okay. My heart's right. Having been born again, not a corruptible seed, but incorruptible. How? Through the word of God. Through the word of God. That gives you the ability to get out of the corruptible lifestyle into the incorruptible lifestyle. First John 3, 9 says, the seed of God has entered into your spirit, therefore you cannot sin. What does that mean? It means your spirit, you cannot. Your soul can make a decision that sins. Your soul can make a decision that is a dumb one. But your spirit that's born again can't. Why? Because God dwells in your spirit. You guys see that? Okay. That's just what the Bible teaches. That's all I'm saying. Understanding takes a process. It took me a long time to, to grasp this truth. But I know it. I know what the word says. And it's so important for us to get there. Amen? 1 John 3, 9. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. Isn't that amazing? First John 3, 9, go home and read it so you can go, I, I, I just don't believe it. Read it, okay? Read it. It's a good one. Remember last week I said the world, people, and the enemy is after the word of God in you. If he can get the word, he's got you. And what he wants to do is get you not focused in on the word, not focused in on his truths. Get you relating to your truth, your opinions, your life. The enemy don't care. The world don't care. It's when you stand up for truth is when they care, when they have a problem, an issue with you. And what did the enemy do with Eve? Did God really say that? Challenging the word. What did the devil do with Jesus? If you're the son of God. And Jesus did what? I am. I am the son of God. No. He said it is written. The power to combat the enemy is through the word. That's how you win. The combat to win over the world is through the word. You, know, you everybody understand that? All right. So it's a process. It's a process of understanding, process of growth, and there's nothing wrong with that. The supernatural power comes through the word of God. Remember, uh, Jesus was asleep on the ship. They're all about to die. They believe it. They, they know it. They wake Jesus up. He calms the storm, and he says, where was your power? Where was your power? Now, use the term faith, but we understand what he's saying. The power to stop this storm. Where was your faith? Where was your power at? Where was your power? See, he was said, we go to the other side. There's the power in his word, right? We're going to the other side. Then the second stage is look at Jesus. So the moment that they had the storm, they should have reminded themselves, going to the other side, and look to Jesus. He's at rest. If I'm a disciple. I'd like to think that I would have remembered and I would have cuddled up right next to him. Doubt it, but it's a good picture, right? I probably would have been right there with Peter going, we're going to die, we're going to die. We all like to think, you know, we armchair quarterback, I could have done that. No, you couldn't. <laughs> you couldn't even make junior high team. What are you talking about? <laughs> Moving right along. <laughs> so the power, oh, remember this one? I love this picture. Peter says, if, that's really you, speak, tell me to come out there. If that's 
I don't know about Peter, but I'm thinking, if that's really you, can you make the water solid and I'll walk over to you? Not, I'm gonna jump out and walk on that water like you are. But that's the key we have to look at is, is if it's really you, speak the word. That's what he said, speak the word. So Peter's getting it. He, he's, he's grasping this supernatural power. Can we? I Listen, my gosh, please, church, wakey, wakey. Because I'm telling you right now, this little picture is one of the greatest pictures you could ever pay attention to. Because who had the biggest mouth, the dumbest actions, totally denied Jesus, was Peter. Can anybody align their lives up with Peter? <laughs> exactly. But he was also the one where Jesus said, God revealed that to you. Thou art the Christ. He walked on water, supernatural. Here we have Dum Dum and Superman. Are you guys seeing this? That turns me on. That gets me to a place where I'm going, oh, thank you, Father, that it's Peter. Because if it's John, then you're leaning to, oh, Jesus loved him the most. He never does anything wrong. He leaned on Jesus during the supper time. Oh, special, special John. Right or wrong? No, Peter. Oh, my goodness. The one we want to go to heaven and go, Peter, Peter, what's up? We're going to go up to him, and now, because of this knowledge, we're going to pat him on the back and go, thank God you show dumb equals me, but you also show supernatural power equals Jesus. Oh, my gosh. That, my brothers and sisters, is wonderful news. That's what I love about this. We can look at so many fools in here, turn it around. Man, that, that listen, this is the only book that does this. This thing. This thing, 66 books written by Bible college stuff, 40 authors over 1,500 years. One common thread through it all. That, my brothers and sisters, is impossible for people to do. Impossible. I said impossible. There are prophecies about nations, and, and we're not talking about, oh, just someone wrote it down out of the fact. No, no, no. It's archaeological. It's, it's proven historically that these things were spoken out in hundreds and even thousands of years, then they would happen. David prophesied. David spoke out of the death of Jesus through crucifixion. There was no such thing as crucifixion when he said that. It didn't happen until 500 years later. This is history being proven. 500 years later is when they believe the first crucifixion took place. 500 years. Jesus was crucified 1,000 years after David said it. Think of the odds. Isaiah and Micah prophesied. Figure this one out. That Jesus would be born of a virgin. That right there, how's that gonna happen? And born in Bethlehem. Now think about this. And we're talking about thousands of years they're saying this. And when Jesus was born, his parents didn't even live in Bethlehem. <laughs> Figure that one out. She was pregnant, she got pregnant where? Anybody know? Nazareth. She wasn't in Bethlehem. Wait a minute, how'd she get to Bethlehem? A government had to make a decision. We're not talking about people getting together going, oh, let's fake, fake everybody out. You now gotta get a government to do something. We all know they hated Christians. And what does Rome do? They align themselves up with a prophetic word 
See, I believe this. The power of a believer is beyond what you could really believe or actually think we have. We do have the ability to impact governments. Or God will move a mountain or a government to get his will to pass in your faithful life. Are you hearing me? Remember the Bible says, he who abides in my word, not he who walks around it or hits and miss once in a while, but abides in it. Abiding in it is not this religious concept that someone can only speak Christianese or all you do is you read the Bible and you pray all day long. That is not at all, not even a tiny bit of what it's about. If you want to abide in the word of God, you have to look at a natural principle and I go to Joshua who accomplished every single thing that God had placed before him. And God said to Joshua, you'll prosper and you'll do everything beneficial to your life if you do what? Abide in my word. And what was that? Meditate on his word and adhere to do what is written. So what is written for you? Let me throw out a tough one. Rejoice always. Difficult, isn't it? Rejoice always. Encourage one another. Once a year? No, daily. I'm just sharing you, you know, some supernatural power truths that if you started doing, you would start seeing results. Interesting, huh? It's all how you look at it. It's all how you start seeing this. So me abiding in the word is my ability to get up and go, this is my day. Yesterday is not a part of me anymore. Tomorrow's not here. This is the day the Lord has made. So what am I going to do? I'm going to make a choice to rejoice. Start my day that day every single day of my life, of my Life, I made that commitment 100 years ago. Make the commitment. I look good for 100. And I do that every day. I say it and I sing it every single day. I do. I, I, I say, this day the Lord has made, I will rejoice and be glad in it. I choose to rejoice, Father. That's what I say. I choose to rejoice. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. And I'll sing the song. My boys know it too now. But I'll sing that song. And I just do it because it's in me. It's what I do. And that's how I start my day. Now, is my day perfect from then on? No. I mean, if you've seen the staff I work with, you'd know. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> do I have challenges? No. Of course I do. There are things, issues, problems. But you know what? It don't matter. It's my day. It's my day. And I choose to rejoice in it. I'm going to have challenges. I'm going to have pressures. There are going to be issues, but you know what? Don't matter. I'm making a choice. Then you move into other scriptures for my benefit, for my life, empowering me. And as long as I stay focused in that, I'm abiding in the word. 2 Timothy 3.16. Oh, yeah. Peter, just, just the power of that picture is so amazing because he gets out and walks on water, but the water wasn't solid. The word that he stood on, the come, because think about it, he didn't do this. Lord, tell me to come and I'll get out and come to you. He didn't do this. Right? He didn't do that. He did this. And he focused in on Jesus. How do I know that? Because the Bible says he then started focusing in on something else. It didn't say he was focused in on the storm and got out. He was focused in on the word. Come, I'm coming. That word, supernatural power, held him on the water. Held him on the water. Why? Because if he looked over there, he wouldn't sink if it was 
Because Jesus made it solid. You see what I'm saying? Why would it stop it? Because Jesus spoke it. It'd be like a, a glass thing. And now he's walking. And he'd go, oh, look at this door. It's so bad. But it's solid. No, it was the word. The supernatural ability to hold him up, the power was the word of Jesus. Okay, think about that. Because there's some water walking issues you have. I'm just saying, there's some water walking issues I have. But those are the times when you've got to go, you know what? I put my trust. I believe you. I trust you. All scripture, how much scripture? All scripture is given by Theonustos. Theonustos. It's breathed out by God. Spoken. Breath. Words are breath, by the way. Y'all got that, right? Try speaking while it's breathing. You can move your tongue around because you need your tongue to make words, right? Well, try it. But don't, don't have any breath go out. Nothing's happening, is it, except an ugly-looking face up here. I'm sure. But until breath, come on, until breath goes. See, the, how come I can teach this way? Because I get so dumb and so crazy on this stuff where I bring it down to the, just the craziest looks, but they are true. I want to talk about sound in language. We don't, well, all we hear is language. It's just sound. It's all, it's nothing but sound. We have an issue with tongues, or we have an issue with, we have an issue with sound, it doesn't sound like a language. How would you know? You only know one language. And there are thousands of languages out there. I remember, first of all, I believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit with them speaking other tongues. I speak in other tongues. I believe in that prayer language. I believe so much. I believe it. It's scriptural. Not only that, but I experienced it. I know this. But I, I believe that, and I had this life, but I, I, I remember going up into a mountain area in Quetzaltenango where we had to drive an hour or so. Then we had to get out, and we had to walk like 30 minutes up a mountain. And we were going to, uh, to minister a movie to, I believe it was the Mom Indian tribe in Guatemala. I believe that was their name. They spoke Quiche, I believe it was. The Jesus film, amazing company, because they made their film in all these languages. So we have this big old tent up there they put up. We have my t our, our teen ministry ready to minister. And all of a sudden, the Jesus film comes up. It's like 30 degrees because we're up in this high mountain. It's freezing. And Jesus comes up, and he starts going, yeah, ch -ch 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 no, I'm spitting everywhere. There's no way. Listen to that. You could say that's a real language because every single word sounded exactly the same. That's what I hear about those religious people when they talk about tongues. Sounds like you're saying the same thing. Listen to this language. You do exactly the same thing, except I saw Jesus moving and talking. I'm serious. And they're all sitting there going, the, the language sounded like grasshoppers. It was sound. But they were raised understanding the sound. So when you hear someone say about tongues, just look at them with understanding, knowing they don't have a clue about anything. Because 
when you want to really look at the facts, you look at the facts. There's, there's so many languages out there that I'm telling you, you listen to, and you're like going, what in the world? How could that mean anything? But it does, and people understand those sounds, just like you could if you were raised in it or trained in it. So what we have to look at is we have to look at truth. And the truth is, is quit trying to judge by your understanding, by what you think. When I saw that and I heard that, that was such a natural principle to a spiritual truth I already understood about our heavenly language. It's so awesome to see and hear those kind of things. And guess what? Hundreds of people got saved out of that. It was awesome. And we were a part of it. I just, it's a special time. I'll never, ever forget that whole experience of watching people get saved with some noise that I would never in my life ever assume that it meant anything. And I'm telling you, you could not, like you're hearing English right now, you can be able to separate and follow the, the pattern of the words and be able to, you know, see the pictures, but that, that stuff, no. But it was exactly the way I do in my language as they do in their language. Again, natural principle, spiritual truth. The word of God is a sound. So what does that mean? That means it's all tied to faith, belief, pistis. Your belief in that sound. Did not Jesus say, my sheep hear my voice? He does what? He hears the sound. What I've learned is this. I'm training my ears to hear the sound of life, life more abundantly, the sound of freedom and pure freedom, the sound of deliverance, the sound of healing, the sound of, of all these things that the truth of God's word says. And so when I hear another sound, God does it like nails on a chalkboard. Sometimes God uses sickness. Sometimes we don't know his will. God works in the... That's how it sounds to me. But some of you are going, oh, on YouTube, it must be real. He's a pastor. He's a prophet. Even the disciples said, it's not about prophecy, it's about the sure word of prophecy. About what God's word says, not about what someone says. What does God's word say? The enemy's not going to deceive me because I'm going to always check. That's why Scripture says in James about the Word of God. He said, we want to be people that go up to a mirror, and we do to a mirror for specific reason, for examination, right? You don't go to look at a mirror and go, oh, it's a pretty mirror. No, because you're talking about the frame. But you're going up to that mirror to see something, examine something. Do I have a booger? Is my hair right? Is it Right? Is there something in my teeth? You're, you're examining. You want to fix whatever. You're not going to, you're not, we ain't getting up in the morning, going to the mirror, going, I want to say how perfect I am. None of us are doing that. We're examining the, what's there? What's, oh my gosh. I need a smaller mirror or whatever. But the thing is, is we look at that mirror and then James says, but a lot of us just go off and we forget what we saw. And the Bible is a mirror. See, this is what I want to help you with. It's never there to condemn you. It's a one plus one equals two concept. God's trying to teach you something you don't know. It's not something you know. It's something you don't know. 
So guess what? You're not gonna get 100% on the quiz sometimes. You're not gonna get uh, you know, an A plus on tests. You're gonna have fails, you're gonna have screw ups, you're gonna have to have do overs. But you know what? God's not going, oh gosh, that's it, I'm done with them. They screwed up on that test, it's over with. I know you got born again yesterday, but it doesn't matter. You flunked. No, that's our society. <laughs> Actually, no, our society is, is you should flunk, but I'm gonna pass you on. That's our society. Or we can pay you and you don't have to take any tests, but we'll make sure you get that doctorate. Our society is a society that is filled with garbage, but God isn't. God is true. Let everybody else be a liar. And we can trust him. We can trust him. We can trust his word. It's just we have to grow. Nothing wrong with that. Remember, don't assume that the level of growth determines the size of God's work in your life or the size of the miracle. Why I've been saved long. I don't know much of the Bible. He said, mustard seed. Not about that. Not about, have I read the Bible? Have I studied it enough? No, no, no. It's belief. Belief in the sound. Let's get really comfortable with his voice, right? And not be familiar with another voice. I don't want to follow the voice that says, you know, God doesn't love you anymore. God's not pleased with you. You know, a lot of you, if someone said, you know, God's not pleased with you, you know what you would do? That sounds correct. I'm telling you the truth. I know right now in here, out there, for sure. And I believe that's a lot of you couldn't even stand up and go, God is well pleased with me. You know why? Because you don't know the sound of his word concerning that statement. See, I can be a fool all week long. I mean, a, a head case. And I can stand up right now and say, God is well pleased with me. Why? Because his pleasure has never been tied to what I do and don't do. His pleasure has been tied to what Jesus did. And because the blood of what Jesus did is now upon me, I'm always pleasing to him. It ain't about my do's and don'ts. Do you understand that? God is well pleased with me. Well pleased with me. Well, you're not perfect. You don't do everything right. Oh, you know, that's true. I, I, I stand in line and agree with you right now. But I'll tell you right now, ask me if God is pleased with me. I'm going to tell you exactly, oh, heck yeah, totally pleased with me. Completely pleased with me. Why? Because the only way he could be pleased with me is through what Jesus did. Not what I did. I didn't go to the cross. Jesus did. And that's all I'm saying. This word is where we get our supernatural power. Let's learn the sound of his word. And when that sound lines up to health and wholeness, ooh, sounding like Jesus. When that sound talks about deliverance, when that sound talks about, oh yeah, you can have the best marriage, oh yeah, you can have the best family, oh yeah, I can do this, and oh yeah, I want you to prosper, and oh yeah, I want you healed and whole, oh yeah, I want you delivered, oh yeah. When you start hearing that sound like that, you start going, that's the voice I wanna follow. Because I can tell you right now, right now, the voice of the enemy is still kill and destroy. And his voice sounds like, right, I find another one. Oh, better get a divorce. Oh, better, better leave. Yep. Better quit. Yep. Better do this. Yep. Steal that. Take that. Rob that. That's how his nasty voice sounds. But we listen to his voice. Amen. Listen to his voice when it sounds toward your husband or wife. Listen to his voice when it sounds toward your kids. Listen to his voice. And it's a voice, oh my gosh, that's just beautiful. But guess what? The only way you can is to become part of his family. It's the only way you can hear his voice. I don't want to be a neighbor kid because you can't hear the parent's voice. I want to be part of the family. 
The only way that happens is to receive Jesus. Now, if you haven't received him, very simple. Speak your voice. The voice says, call the name of the Lord Jesus. That could be me and if I was a mom in him, like they did. And guess what? They got saved making cricket noise. You get saved by making your noise. What is it tied to? Who you believe. You can believe this Jesus? I'm telling you, your life will never be the same. Believe this Jesus. Jesus, say that. Jesus, I believe in you. I confess the noise out of my mouth abides by the belief in my heart. So I say, I believe in you. And I ask you, Jesus, come into my life. And now I say thank you. Because your voice says that if I call in your name, I will be saved. So I'm saved because I hear your voice now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If any of you prayed that prayer first time in here, or if you prayed that prayer first time out there, click the button or raise your hand and we have something we can give you. But either way, have a wonderful, wonderful day because it was made for you. Love you guys. Be blessed. Thanks again for listening. To hear more encouraging messages just like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you loved what you received, please consider rating it and sharing it with your friends and family. For more information about Love Life and getting connected with us, go to lovelife.church. We love you and are believing God's best for you.